Well, welcome again. Thanks for joining us here this morning. We are going to be looking at our little GPS locator. So that's you. Um, we're all just going to use the same one because if we put like 250 up, they'd all kind of look like the same thing. But that's basically represents you right now where you are currently in life. So the little dash is kind of your, your journey of life. And here you are today on Sunday, on Super Bowl Sunday, worshiping at Alpine Church Layton Campus. Thanks again for being with us. So how's life going? Is it everything you expected? You know, research says that everybody that fills out these questionnaires online or these surveys about what they want in life, almost everybody writes down the same thing. They want a meaningful life, a life with purpose, and a happy life. Those are the three top things, three top responses, if it's a fill-in kind of the blank um, questionnaire. And I think that's good. So here we are. We, we, as people, want to have a good life, a meaningful life, a life with purpose. Now let's jump to the other side of that research. Research says that seven out of every ten people are unhappy or unsatisfied with their life. Seven out of ten. So we want a meaningful life, but that meaningful life is hard to come by, it appears. Here's the three reasons, top three reasons. People feel trapped in life, people feel stuck in life, and people feel lost in life. Have you ever been lost, unable to find oneself's way? That's the definition of lost. And if that's life, parents, have you ever lost a child? Don't raise your hand. It's all right. We've all done it. We've all done it for at least a few seconds, a few minutes. But I can remember a time when I, I did this to my parents. We were on a vacation in Yosemite National Forest in California. We went on a horseback ride. I was eight years old. It's a little trail ride. Now, everything was much bigger and grander when you're eight, but like there was 500 horses lined up. That's what it looked like. I don't know, 30, 40, I, I, I can't remember. So I was the youngest one on the ride, more or less. So I was horse two behind the guide. Now, for some reason, things were different back. This was over, this is 42 years ago. Whoo, am I getting old. My mom and dad were in the back. The very far, they're, they're in the back. My sister was like in the middle, and I'm up front right behind the guide. And what happened was the guy behind me, his horse, he's horse three in line, he starts, you know, he's trying to be nice to me, and he's trying to befriend me and stuff, and he starts whipping his horse, which would then spook my horse. I was fine at eight years old, as long as, the, you know, the ride was like this, right? Step, right, left. All of a sudden, my horse does this, and I felt the power of that horse, and it scared me. I grabbed the horn, and so I was so scared. Well, he, he hit his horse again, which freaked out my horse. That was it. I was getting off the horse. I'm, I'm horse two behind the guy. I said, I'm getting off. He turns. We have a quick discussion. I'm getting off. He goes, okay. Again, a different time period. Different time period. I get off my, we've been, we're about 10 to 15 minutes. I had to call my mom and, and again, get the, get the facts straight this week. We had a great conversation, a great laugh about this again in life. So I start walking. And in Yosemite, they have these little, back then, I don't know if they still do. It's been, well, 42 years since I've been there. They have these trams that will take you around, and they have these little stations, so you don't have to walk everywhere, but you could get a ride. And through the tree line, I could see there was one of those tram stations. So here's this eight-year-old boy walking through the forest, 
people all at this tram station are looking at me, watching this eight-year-old boy come out of the trees who just, they, they, put, they connected the dots, just left the horse ride, and now I'm getting on a tram. Now, I was very shy. I don't know how I talked the guy in that I was getting off, but I knew one thing. I was getting off that horse because I was scared. That horse scared me, and I was off. So now I'm on a tram, and everyone's looking at me. I was so shy. It made me so uncomfortable. The minute that tram stopped, I ran off of that thing. And I start just going in a direction. And I come to the main highway. It was a main highway. I don't know which one. I just remember main highway because, you know, motorhomes were passing me. And every motorhome, you know, they have windshields like our drum cage. They're massive, right? And I can remember these, these people, like this one woman, she looked at me and she followed me all the way. Again, it made me feel uncomfortable. So what did I do? I got a little bit away from more from the road. There's not like a sidewalk. It's a main highway. And now I'm in the tree line walking. And then all of a sudden, I don't know how, there's the RV park we were staying in. I could see our trailer. So I go in there. What do I do when I get in there? I just was on a long walk. Ate the Twinkies, the Ding Dongs. I had no idea that for an hour and 15 minutes, my mom and dad were hysterical. I mean, what I, what I put them through that day, that was the hardest hour and 15 minutes of their life of not knowing where their son was. My sister loved horses. She was great. She was on the ride. But for an hour and 15 minutes, they had no idea where I was, and you start to think things in that hour and 15 minutes. And so here they come. They, they open that door, and I saw the look on their faces, and then it kind of set in real for me in that moment. Even at eight, I started to understand what had just happened and how scared they were. And God does not want us ever to be lost in life. Just like my parents wanted to protect me, they wanted to have assurance of where I was, and they, had no, they didn't have confidence of where I was, and there was this doubt, and they start thinking the worst things. God, we have a Father in heaven that loves us deeply, and he does not want us to be lost in life either. Because this is what it says. We want a meaningful life. Look at what Scripture says. Here's Jesus in John 10.10. I come that they may have life and have it to the full. So it is great that we want this meaningful life because it aligns with God's Word. Jesus says, I have come so that you can have life to the fullest, a full life. Then why are we so feeling trapped, lost, and confused as it pertains to our life? That's the question I, I, I want us to really think about as we go through um, this next passage in Jeremiah. It sheds a lot more light about this because when I did my research online, th th this was kind of proven to me, but I'm going to read this verse and then kind of talk about the details. In Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. Amen. To give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. See, when I was looking online, I was, I was looking at all this brokenness and people feeling lost and stuck and, and trapped in life. There's these expectations that we put on ourselves because I was looking what define a meaningful life online is much different than what Scripture might say. 
and there's all these expectations of trying to keep up. Well, am I measuring up to this person that I'm watching and, and I'm looking at their life? And there's just all of this. And what happens is we start thinking about our plans, what we want for our life. And what God's word is communicating here, it's not so much how does God fit into our plans. What God is communicating to us here is for I know the plans I have for you. We need to ask this question, God, how do I fit into your plans, says the Lord? See, there's a, there's a big difference there. And basically what God is saying, that these are plans, these are good plans I have for you. And we need to understand that we are here, God created us, and we are a part of his plans simply because we are here. And we were all created by God. And when you look at that list of, it's, it's just sadness to me, of, of how people feel lonely in life and they don't feel value in life. I, I have to tell you that you are here on purpose because you are a part of God's plan. And that is awesome because God sees value in you. He loves you. And he says, you know what? I have a plan for your life where you will be able to experience a meaningful and purposeful life, because that's what we all want. And so the secret here of experiencing and living a meaningful life is in a relationship with God. Another way to say this is to experience the meaningful and the fullness of life that God has for us. We are going to experience that in our pursuit of God. Now, 10 years ago, we wanted to make sure that when we talked about um, helping people pursue God, because that's our mission here at Alpine Church, we want to help people pursue God. We wanted to make sure that we understood what we meant by that, and I want to share that with you here today. Many of you have seen this. Uh, for some of you, you're going to be seeing this for the very first time. But when we say we want to help people pursue God, we're going to look at this image of three truths from God, and this is what we want to help people do. We want to help people trust in Jesus. That's where our relationship starts. We want to help people trust in Jesus. And then we want to help people to live a life that is honoring to God. That's why we're here, to help people trust in Jesus, to live a life um, that's honoring to God. Now, a lot of people just kind of stop at that second truth. But here's where we've really grown as a church, and it's, it's, it's because of you guys, and amen, for so many of you that are in this room in this service. We mature by helping others. We mature by helping people. And that's the mentoring and the great commission of Jesus saying, go make disciples of all nations. Go disciple people. And this is where we've really grown. Now, when we say we want people to go full circle, we want them to be living these three truths out in their life. And here's my hope, is that we would all go full circle. But as you look at this image of what a pursuit of God looks like. Hopefully this is helping bring clarity to you because we're going to unpack these three truths uh, for the rest of our time together here this morning. I want you to put your little GPS locator icon, the blue, on where you are in your pursuit. Now I do want to say, I came to faith when I was like 23 years old. And so for 23 years I wasn't on this circle. And if you are here and you are seeking God, I want to say thanks for joining us. 
We want to help you to trust in Jesus. We want to help you and resource you with the information. And when we talk about truth number one, hopefully, um, you know, I'm going to share the gospel with you, and maybe that will help you to that first step. But we are glad you're here. So let's, let's jump into this. Let's look, well, first, where are you? So make sure you uh, identify where you are, because what God wants for us to do as, as we experience this meaningful life, healthy things grow. And what God wants for all of us is to grow in our relationship with Him. And so on our pursuit, on our journey, God wants us to continue to grow, which means getting to the next step. So let's look at truth number one. We start a relationship with God by trusting Jesus. But here's, I want to go back to you. If you are seeking, I want you to hear John 10.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. I just want you to know, before you pursue God, before you seek God, God first pursued you. And this is a, a promise from God that he seeks us first, and he is here to save those who are lost. So let's talk about that first truth. We start a relationship by putting our faith and trust in Jesus. So we're going to start with the bad news of this verse. That's us in the equation, okay, before we get to the hope. But what Scripture is communicating to us is that we are all sinners. In Romans it says, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we have a sin problem. You can read about it in chapter 2 of Genesis. So, I mean, it just it amazes me God's word sometimes. In chapter 1, he's talking about creating everything, and that flows into chapter 2. But God doesn't waste very much time in his word to get to the problem. It's in chapter 2, it's Adam and Eve. He gave them one command. Don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Just that one command. And it didn't take them long to disobey that. And that is just sharing a picture that if that was the only command God ever gave us, we would have still all failed. And it's because we have this sin disease. It's not a sin problem. It is a sin disease. And if we don't deal with it, not only will it cause us separation here on earth, but it will keep us from God's ultimate plan for us, which is spending eternity with us. And so it causes a spiritual death. That's why it is a disease. Now, I've had many conversations with people that don't believe they have all that bad of a sin problem. And I'm like, man, Jesus is the Savior of the world. If you don't understand what you're being saved from, how can you be saved? You have a sin disease. Because here's what most people, they, they fall into this trap. Well, if I'm just a really, really good person, I'm hoping when I get to the end of my life, my good outweighs my bad. That is a popular belief in our world. It does not come from the Bible. Like, we can never be good enough for God, for salvation. So what happens here is, is it, when you start thinking about good, what are you looking inward at what you're doing? That's not what God wants our focus to be when we're thinking of salvation. What God's Word says, it's all about Jesus. You focus on what He did. He came to rescue you. He is our healer for our sin problem. And we should not be looking inward at the moment of salvation on trying to add to something Jesus is doing. We need to be looking outward at what Jesus did on the cross. So not only does he seek and save you, he came here to die for you because of our sin problem. 
in Romans, the wages of sin is death. A death had to happen for the sins of the world. Well, we're imperfect people. It couldn't be us. So it was Jesus who lived a perfect life, God in the flesh. And he went to the cross because of his love for you. He seeks you and he saved you by his death, by sacrificing himself. And in Romans, it says, when you confess that with your mouth and believe that message that Jesus went to the cross and died for your sins, it says you can be healed. No longer do you have to deal with the consequences of sin keeping you separated from God, but now you become close to God. That's our hope. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who what? Believes no matter who you are. Nobody is exempt from this. You know, we just had a memorial service here on Tuesday, and I kind of teach this same message. Good people don't go to heaven. Bad people don't go to heaven. It has no merit of goodness or badness. Amen. Forgiven people go to heaven. And my hope here is if you are seeking God, I love what Jeremiah says, if you seek him wholeheartedly, it's a promise, you will find him. And my hope is that you put your faith in trust, that first truth, that you start a relationship with the most important decision and response in life is what and how do we respond to what Jesus did on the cross. In Luke, it talks about how people reject the gospel, reject the cross. My hope is you would embrace this gift this gift of grace that Jesus had died for you and you make that response. And now, when you make that response, you inherit eternal blessings. Now you are in an eternal, loving relationship that will last all the days of our lives and into eternity in heaven with God. That's God's overarching plan for our lives. So, truth number one, this is my hope that everyone in this room will come to a point where they have put their faith and trust in Jesus. Now let's transition and go into truth number two. As Christians, we live to honor God. So at the moment of, of putting your faith and trust in Jesus, it's important to understand a few details here. It says at that moment, that faith moment, when you put your faith and trust, it says you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, that God actually dwells in us. Now, because of God's power, now because of the fruits of the spirits, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Now we are able to do these good works that God has planned for us in advance. This is how it works. But when it, as it pertains to salvation, we bring nothing to the table. And we're going to look at Paul. He's writing about this. So we have this old nature. Now we says, uh, Scripture says we are a new creation. We have a new identity. And this is what he says in Ephesians. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. That old life, that sinful route, that is behind you. That is your old nature. And it goes on. And here, I'm not just picking on us here. Scripture is very clear, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Our old life is corrupted by lust and deception. And what Scripture is saying here, Paul's right, Throw off that old nature to do what? Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Okay, this is how God helps us. Jesus, when he ascended into heaven, he said, I'm going to send the helper. Here's the, Spirit's, the Holy Spirit's role in our life. It helps renew our thoughts and attitudes. It's not 
all of us doing it, but God's help, the Holy Spirit, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Here's what this passage is communicating to us. When we come to faith, and this, so again, we, we serve a perfect God, holy. God is completely set apart from sin. That's why Jesus had to die, so we could be made right with him, but God is perfect, And what he says is, when you come to faith, I want you to leave. Your old sinful nature is behind you. What God is saying is, I demand this incredible change. It's change, and he he demands it from everybody. that's, That's what we need to understand, like what God's word is saying here. But God just didn't leave us hanging here going, hmm, how are we going to do that change on our own? He goes, no, I'm going to give you the spirit. I'm going to help you. You have to have new thoughts. You have to have renewed attitudes. What God is saying is there's a transformation that is happening here because he wants his followers to be attractional in the world. And I love this, God. So we're to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Well, without God's help, that's never going to happen. But it is possible Because when you come to faith, you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this is what now honoring God with your life looks like. It's saying, old nature, goodbye. You are behind me. Now listen, we are going to continue to sin. Because we are not perfect. But we have the resources in life now on how to handle our sin. The church word is repentance. What does repentance mean? We want to have a desire to turn from our sin. We're still going to sin. But the desire is there because we want to become more Christ-like where we're truly righteous and holy. That's, that's what we're aiming for. And the only way you can do that is when you're honoring God with your life. And you're in this new identity, which is in the identity of Jesus. And your old nature is gone. And you're living out your new nature. So let's look at some practical ways that we can be honoring to God. Some like really practical steps. You know, when you come to faith, one of, one of the best things you can do, I love how Isaiah said, in those days, I will listen. When we come to God in prayer, he goes, I will listen. Do you know God is not billions of miles away, separated from us? That he is close to us. It's an intimate relationship, and he wants to hear from you daily. When you pray, he says, I will listen. That is a promise from God. When you lift up words to God, he is going to listen to you. And so I encourage you if, you, if prayer is not a big part of your life, one of the ways we can be honoring to God is just going to him and allowing him to hear from us. Now let's flip it. We should also have that desire in our heart to hear from him. That's getting into his word. God's word is true and alive, and it speaks to us today. And one of the ways, if we're going to have the Holy Spirit renew our thoughts and attitudes on how we are going to be living a righteous and holy life, or on that pathway, is to know what God's word says in relationships. How should we be acting and living in our marriages? How, students, how should you be acting and living in those teenage years? Like, God's word is filled 
with great information to help us in life. So why? So that we can experience a meaningful life, a life of purpose. And God's word, it's so important to get into God's word. And let me say this, every reading plan I have failed in, every reading plan that I've ever established for myself reading God's word, but that's really not the negative nor the win there. The win is hearing from God's word. Even if you get the Bible app on version and just read a verse a day, hear from God, get it in his word. We need to know what his word says. Also, there's great opportunities. God didn't come here to be served, but to serve. One of the ways that we can be honoring to God is by serving. And I love our, our serving culture here at Alpine, and I want to thank if you serve here at Alpine, um, your lead pastor loves you, and we couldn't do this without you, and I appreciate every single person that serves here. Now, I don't want to get into too many details because the next two weeks, that's what we're going to be teaching on. We're going to be teaching on serving, but I just want to say one of the ways that you can be honoring to God is saying, you know what? Man, I never knew why we had a harvest party. Was, is it for Alpiners just to come hang out together and, and have fun? No, we think strategically about everything we do. Why do we do an Easter egg hunt? Why do we do harvest party? It's to reach people that we would not be able to reach normally on a Sunday morning. It is not for our kids and kids' church. They get to be a part of it, but that is not the heart behind it. And the reason I share those details, and maybe some of you, the first experience you had was the harvest party or the Easter egg hunt. That's why we do it. And so to have this harvest service, like, ah, oh, okay. They're intentional about trying to reach people. Oh, I can give up two hours. I can be a part of that. We need your help. But we do things on purpose for a reason, and it's always pointing people to Jesus. It's always pointing people to Jesus, no matter what we do. That's the filter we run it through. We don't do anything just to stay busy and do more. We do things to help people pursue God. There's one last thing before we jump off into the next truth. You know, why do Paul and I give here to Alpine Church is because God is so generous to us, but we believe in what we're doing. I meet people all the time, and, and we're helping people pursue God, and, and I'm, I'm looking at lives being transformed. And as a lead pastor, that just fills my heart with true gladness, as Scripture says. I'm so grateful that you guys have responded to Jesus so many. There are so many amazing stories here. And God is so generous to us as a church but here's the thing, I want 50 more campuses by the time I leave Alpine Church. Why not aim big? But you know what that's going to take? A whole lot of financial resources. Now, if that's God's plan, it will happen. And if it's not, then it won't, because God's in control. But we grow, Paul and I, we've committed. We said, you know what, we're going to grow in the grace of giving every year. Why? Because we believe in what God is doing here. And we want to see more families impacted. We have to head south. We want to make more of an impact for the kingdom of God in this state. Eventually, we want to cross the border. We want to go into Idaho. We want to go into Nevada. That's a big vision. I think it's good to dream big. But because God has been so generous to us, and I know it's in his timing, we're at nine campuses right now. Amen. Lives are being transformed. It's really not about how many more campuses. It's about how many more people can we reach for the kingdom of God. And that's why we're generous and we give. And we up our giving every single year. And so I just want to encourage you with that. Jesus never really said it on an amount. He says, I want you to be a cheerful giver. But one of the ways that we can respond in honoring God is, is being um, generous with our finances back to God.
And there's many more ways to be honoring to God. Those are just a few. And so here's our last truth on the circle. It says, we mature as disciples by helping others pursue God. You know, Jesus' heart breaks for people. I want to start there. And in Matthew, it says this, Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets and followed him. I want to just point out a couple things here that our, our heart should break for people as well. But what Jesus is, is doing here is he says, you know what, I, I want you to be all about people in your life. And so he's, he's talking about fishing here because he was talking to fishermen. So this is what we get to do. We get to get our rod and reel and we get to cast and we get to start fishing for people because our hearts should be for people as well. And this has everything to do with our mentoring, and we're taking great strides in mentoring. Thank you to you guys. It, it, it is awesome. As a lead pastor, I'm so encouraged by you guys. The ones that have said, hey, I'm here, and I want to help mentor people. Use me as your resource. So when somebody, you know, I have men and women, and for those who are asking, you know, please connect me. And we have people in this room that are doing an, an amazing job about that. But we need more. 2020 this year, I'm hoping we take, we get more people involved, that we have more people trained up with our resources, and we're going to watch a short video here in a second. But first, it just starts about having a heart for people. Now, I love this verse, because this is how I was able to step into ministry. Jesus picked 12, and these were just ordinary average Joes. I mean, we're talking about just average fishermen here. And if, if we come to this third truth and you say, well, yeah, that's really not for me. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not ready for this discipleship stuff. <sighs> These are three truths that God wants us to live out to experience a meaningful life. The plans that he has for us, this is a part of God's plans for us. But here's the thing. We're going to watch this video in a minute talking about our resources. We've made video content that does the teaching part. Every video has the talking points so that you can refer back to it. At the bottom of the talking points are the questions. So we've resourced you with the teaching. There's a little bit of the material so you, you can get a little bit more familiar with it. And then we give you the questions to ask. You can send a link straight from the site to their cell number, say, watch this, and then let's meet up at Starbucks as we talk about it. It's that simple. And I'm not saying discipleship won't get messy. Jesus' picture of discipleship got messy. When you start experiencing life with somebody, yeah, you might hear some things and you're going to hear some issues. And, but here's what I'm saying. That's, that's God's call. Part of God's plan for us is to say, you know what? I can benefit. So I'm here and I need a mentor. Or you might be here going, you know what? I can help those who are in need of mentors. We need to grow that team. So if you're brand new to this Pursue God or this video, um, know that what we feel is a, is a great tool to reach that next generation is something that we, we've taken content from God's Word, put it on videos, and then created questions to create an environment where we can have those conversations. So that's what that, that library exists. It's going to help with seeking even before you're on the circle it's going to have questions like, what do we do with this? How do we know God is real? Like everything that people have questions about. And then we have all kinds of questions and video content to help people to understand who Jesus is. And then 
I mean, we're expanding the library as we speak. We'll continue to work forever on what it really truly means, how we could be honoring God within all of our relationships and all of our attitudes and actions. And then how we help, we mature by helping people. And so no, that library exists there for you to take advantage of so that you can be a part of this third truth of fishing for people because people matter to Jesus and because we're followers of Christ, they should matter to us. And there's environments of mentoring. I want to say start in your family. That's a great place to, if you haven't had an opportunity to be a part of this yet, start using the resources with your family. Then there's friendships. And then I know it gets a little bit more complicated in the work area and school industry. Yes, there's things that you can't say. And yes, things that you can't bring up. But we serve a big God. He'll take care of those details. You don't have to worry about those details. What you need to be um, willing to do is go, God, I want to submit to your plans in this. I know you have plans for me. It's going to stretch me. It's going to challenge me. But God, I know these are your plans. And if I'm going to experience a, a meaningful life, a full life like Jesus who came and sacrificed everything so I could have this full life, I know this is a part of that plan, Lord. It's the Great Commission. And Jesus after a, a moment of teaching, he looked out and he saw this amazing harvest. And he goes, oh, the harvest is so ripe. It's ready, but the workers are few. There's just not enough workers out there talking about me, is what Jesus was communicating. I need more workers. And now we get to be his workers. And my hope is that you would experience this and you would start saying, you know what, I'm going to do it. Or maybe you're not ready to be a mentor, but you saw PursueGod.org forward slash AC, you can click request a mentor. I have a great team here that will help support and connect somebody to you to help you with whatever area in life, whether it's God, whether it's marriage, whether it's addiction, whatever. The resources are, are, are full and equipped to be able to handle any and all conversations. But like I said, we're continuing to add. I just want to close with this, and, and this is what I hope people experience in this culture. And I'm hoping that God does amazing things in the year 2020, that we all take a next step forward, moving in our pursuit of God. Two years ago, I was preparing my son for marriage. He's in the room now, so this might get a little bit more awkward than the first service. But I couldn't hold it together in the first service. On the night of the wedding, he gave me this letter. I tried to read it that night, but I didn't have my glasses. And he, he writes like... So small, I couldn't even read it, so I put it back, and, um, but I spent some time reading it again this week, again. So God blessed me with three sons, and then I was blessed with a daughter, finally, an amazing daughter-in-law. And Jared, he goes, Dad, thank you for modeling what it means to be a man of God. That wasn't the part, but he's, he's extending it. He says, and thank you for having the guts to have the hard conversations with me, Dad. I was using these resources left and right with him. I was doing everything I possibly could to prepare him for what he was stepping into. And uh, I just want to pass that along. Parents, maybe your child never comes. I have two more. Maybe they don't say ever anything about that. That's okay. But maybe, maybe they'll communicate it in their actions. If I didn't do that with him, I don't think anyone else would have. And so as we're, we're growing this culture of discipleship here, I just hope that you, like, we don't, we're not trying to get anything out of you other than helping more people pursue God. 
And I hope that you receive this message about we need more people a part of this. And we'll have more to come on this. I'll, I'll, there'll, there'll be more to come on how you can be a part of this. We'll have some open trainings. We'll have some trainings that are in small. But we want to do more trainings with people, equip them better, because if someone's equipped and feels good about what they're doing and they know more about what they're doing, they're able to step into it. And I recognize we haven't always been good about that. But I'm just hoping that you'd be open, that if you're in the process right now, if you'd like, yeah, I'm, I'm focused on honoring God, that you'd want to be a part of God's amazing plans here at Alpine in truly mentoring and discipling people. Again, you can use the card, you can email me. There, there's lots of opportunities on how we're going to connect, and there's going to be more to come with this. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for this time that we can come together and, and read your your truths in Scripture, Lord. And I just pray for every individual here, Lord, that we would continue to grow in our relationship with you, that we would take that next step, regardless of where we are in our pursuit of you, Lord, that we would take that next step. We know the life that you have for us is, is full of meaning and purpose, Lord, and I pray, I pray that everyone would leave here understanding, God, that we submit to your plans for our lives, Lord. So what that means, Lord, is I pray that every heart would have this heart of surrendering to you in your will for their life, Lord. And we're thankful that we're not lost here because your word communicates everything that we need to know. It's, it's full and complete. And God, I just pray that maturity comes when we're actually being your, your hands and feet here on earth. It breaks my heart when I read after that great message, and your message was great, Lord, you were the best speaker ever as it pertains to the world. And you said, the harvest is ripe, but the workers are few. God, I pray that that would not be true for Alpine Church, Lord. We spend so many hours weekly trying to understand how can we connect more people to this? How can we fulfill your heart for people and, and just open up some time for us to have conversations with them, Lord. I pray that would be our heartbeat as we leave from here. Lord, help us to accomplish all these things in our pursuit of you, Lord. We're grateful that we're not left alone. Through the Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray that you would continue to give us strength, guidance, and direction. We love you. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.